0: I am only one, but I am still one. I cannot do everything, but I can still do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do." That's Edward Everett Hale. Many of us recycle. Some of us hike in the woods and others drive hybrid vehicles. It can be easy to think of these activities as optional. Today, we are going to look at our place in the interdependent web of which we are a part. The seven principles of Unitarian Universalism are core values we agree to affirm and promote. Today's focus on the last one on the list, the seventh principle, which is respect for the interdependent web Of all existence of which we are a part and of which many of us here today were a part this principle is often referred to in connection with environmental topics such as care for and health of the earth plants and animals and dealing with pollution it is also referenced in environmental justice social justice and racial justice themes today we're talking about climate change Yes, we're going there. Specifically, how to continue to work on important issues when it seems as though the urgency has passed or that the need to pay attention is no longer great. So before we get into any more of it, I'm going to give a quick nutshell version of climate change as I've seen it described in uh, various materials. So the the basic idea is climate change is caused by excessive amounts of carbon dioxide in Earth's atmosphere. Excess Excess carbon dioxide comes from burning fossil fuels. And that's gasoline, coal, natural gas. And that fuel is burned for energy. And that excess carbon dioxide that is created by burning fuel for energy collects up in the atmosphere. Now, we may think from standing here on the ground that we have a huge atmosphere and there's a lot of room. It's not really that big. And there are photographs of Earth from space that show how thin that atmosphere really is. It's so thin, it's getting full of all of the excess carbon dioxide. So what happens with the sun shining down on the Earth, like me, the rays will come down to the Earth. Some of the rays are absorbed by Earth's surface, and some of them are reflected back up. And for you scientists in the room, this is so, so watered down and non-scientific. This is just a little a little uh, <laughs> description. So some of the rays are absorbed. Some of the rays reflect back up. Before the Industrial Revolution, the, re- the rays that reflected back up would go out through the atmosphere and back up into space. That doesn't happen anymore. It's harder and harder for the rays to get out of the atmosphere because we've got so much excess carbon dioxide. So what happens is the rays go up, and then they get reflected back down to Earth. So then we get warmer. And there are charts, and there's science to back all this up, showing that we're just getting hotter and hotter and hotter, our atmosphere is, um, because of all of this excess carbon dioxide. And what we call this is, you know, global warming. And people sometimes say, well, it's not global warming when you have massive winter storms and things like that. But what happens is, is the excess heat changes the wind patterns and the seasons on the Earth. So things change. So then you get these massive storms. And you get these just unbelievable occurrences, like the downpours and the floods. So we have the, down, the the downpours, the floods, and we've seen all that. We've seen it right here in Ellicott City with two major floods within two years. And it's happening not just in the United States, but we don't often hear about what happens around the world. And when you watch movies like the, An Inconvenient Truth or An Inconvenient Sequel, you see what is happening around the world, the droughts, uh, major water bodies drying up. And then the downpours, that come and they they drop just massive amounts of water on one location and create the floods. And the glaciers are melting. And there's, there's uh, photographic evidence of that. And you can see that on these, these two videos. Um, and what happens then is that adds to the seawater, which inundates coastal areas. So then we get more flooding. So what what I want to point out is I don't want everybody being real depressed, I know, because it is a depressing topic. And it is absolutely critical that we be aware of this. Um, And it's also important to know that there really is no conflict in the science. It's being put out that there is conflict in the science, but that is a tactic that was developed years ago by the tobacco industry that wanted to um, hide the fact. That smoking cigarettes caused cancer, so they created the idea of well let 's have some put some doubt out there and have people who support the tobacco industry to publicly say oh there 's doubt there's there, the science is conflicting we don 't know for sure and it 's happening again it was effective for the tobacco company it 's now effective for the uh, fossil fuel industry and people who support the fossil fuel industry so that does happen um, and i 've got this this information from Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth and An Inconvenient Sequel Truth to Power. Both of those are movies. They're both movies, as you can see right here. And You can see by the labels, you can get these at the library for free. So you can get these and watch them. Um, I watched them both and I watched The Inconvenient Truth again because I swore up and down I'd never heard certain information. I watched it 12 years ago and forgot. Um, This one was all new to me. I didn't know. This came out last year, 2017. So this has very new information, very good information. And for those of us who don't remember stuff anymore, (laughs) ta-da, books with lots of science and really good information. So, I like show and tell as you can see. Last month Diane and I led our serendipity auction hike at Elk Neck State Park. And while we were planning the drinks for everybody, we discussed whether or not we should get bottled water, like bottled water and Gatorade, and, you know, have that or should we get a jug and fill it with ice water and take some reusable glasses so that people could you know, have their drinks. And we would not be creating any more trash or recycling for the environment. We took the easy route. We got the cooler, we filled it with ice, and we put all those little bottles in the ice, and it was nice and cold. Everybody was happy, nobody criticized, nobody judged, at least not out loud. And we did, yes, all of the empties got recycled. We made sure of that. So it was fast and easy. We were able to do it. And besides, we don't even have one of those big insulated jugs with the extra non-breakable glasses yet. I'm waiting for them to go on sale. So this event led me to think about how often do I take the quick, easy path and wonder also Why does that easy path even exist? I mean, after all, I learned about pollution and recycling and the need to plant trees in seventh grade science class. Now, I know I don't look it, but that was 45 years ago. 45. That's like a generation and a half. We should not have non-recyclable things that are ready that everybody uses and takes for granted. We just shouldn't. And don't get me started on fossil fuel. Why do we have things that even use fossil fuel now? We shouldn't, but we do. And we have people saying that that's what we need. So why do we have K-cups, bottled water, plastic shopping bags, or fossil-fueled anything now? The very existence of these items seems to say there's nothing to be concerned about. More trash and carbon dioxide are harmless. Keep on using. So why is there a question at all that the way we live, work, and play is damaging our planet in a way that will have and is having catastrophic results? Yes, it can be easy to fall into a sense of complacency with that prevailing attitude and market. Um, It's also easy to lose our awareness about climate change. After all, that movie I've been talking about was released 12 years ago in 2006. Some of our elected officials even say the science is conflicting, so we don't really need to worry or do anything implying or specifically stating that climate change isn't real. Or maybe you've been working hard at recycling, composting, reducing, and reusing. Perhaps you drive a hybrid vehicle, have marched in a protest, or attended a rally. If you're a UU you're most likely on several committees, helping those in need in your hometown. Add to all of that daily life, work, school, kids, groceries, meal planning, volunteering, after-school activities, family responsibilities, and the political and social upheaval we're experiencing right now. Basically, you're worn out, and you can't take on one more thing, but a very real reason that many people aren't addressing climate change is because it is absolutely terrifying to even think about. Intense fear or terror leads to despair. And despair leads to paralysis. People can get so terrified on this subject that they just curl up and forget about it. I can't deal, I'm not gonna. And it's just too depressing. There's good news in that though. Doing something diminishes despair. Diminishing despair allows action. Now it seems like most UUs probably already know that, because you use are pretty busy. So doing something it diminishes despair and allows action to occur. And the good news is, there are so many things to do. And that's what I'm here to share today, is all the different things we can do. So where do we start? Well, let's start with these two right here. Comes in a movie, comes in a book. Now, what's really cool about this second book, The Truth to Power, it was, it was written last year. The first part talks about what's happened in between. That is truly terrifying. The second half is the best part. This is the blueprint for getting active and taking care of business. They tell you how to. How to be involved. Step by step. Tips. How to get involved. How to speak at a town hall meeting or a forum. And it tells you how. It's not just a list. It tells you how. They give you, see all these different little points? One, two, three, four. You can see that from where you're sitting. It's a step-by-step. And they even have copies of letters, and they detail it. This is where you put this, this is where you put that, this is where you put this. So they teach you how to do this. So they teach you how to speak at a town hall meeting, write about climate change, start a petition, have an online presence as a climate activist, Arrange for press coverage and be prepared. Talk to kids about climate change. How to talk with climate deniers. How to find a career in renewable energy. Make your business more sustainable. Run for office. Lead by example. Food choices, like your community-supported agriculture, free range, and buying local. And how to create and host events. It's all there. It's teaching you how to be active. So I thought that book was really very refreshing because it does talk about all the stuff that we heard about the first time, adds to it, what all is uh, going on. Now, one one of the cool things in this book and in the movie is the emergence of the solar power industry and the wind power industry, and how solar power is helping all kinds of people, especially in the underdeveloped nations who never got good electricity in the first place. They can skip it altogether now by having little solar panels hooked up to laptops and little solar panels on top of grass huts. When people live in grass huts, they can use a solar panel right there and get the energy they need. So there, and it's very, very effective, and the numbers are in the movie and in the book of showing how, how effective it is and how it is very possible to get 100% of your energy needs through solar and wind. So this is good. This is really good. Um, part of the problem, though, is, again, we have the uh, industries that uh, support politicians and we do have politicians such as the state of Florida does not allow uh, solar panels unless you get permission from guess who the gas and oil industry so these types of rules and regulations need to be challenged and hence the second half of this book it teaches you how to challenge all that so um, and I tell you that's not true here we uh, when I was out canvassing in the last month or so canvassing for a um, local political candidate somebody who had the the, the the guts to go ahead and quit work and run for office because that person really saw a need and said, you know what, I need to do something. So I was working, canvassing with that, for that person running for office. So that meant I had to go out and knock on doors of complete strangers. And you know what? It was fun. But you know what else? I looked around as I was going through the neighborhoods, and you know what's on the roofs of a lot of houses here in Bel Air and Abingdon? Solar panels, lots of them. So it's, solar is alive and well here. And actually, one of the young people that was canvassing with me as a college student home on break, a, a young lady, is in electrical engineering. That's her program because she wants to work in the solar industry. How cool is that? So it's alive and well. So we've got, we've got plenty to do. We've got good ways to do it. We've got good places to go. Um, another thing is, if you don't want to go that direction, there's other ways you can do it. If you don't want to do something on your own, you don't have to. We have a lot of organizations that are already up and running and doing work, and they just need people to either volunteer, show up at meetings, or donate. So some of those uh, groups are, we have local, state, and national climate action groups. In Maryland alone, there's 18 of them. And they're all part of the Maryland Climate Coalition. So there is a place to go and start doing some work. If you'd like to prefer, if you prefer the faith-based avenue, the, we have the UU Ministry for Earth. Now, let me show you. I looked up the UU Ministry for Earth. That's their logo. They even have T-shirts. Isn't that awesome? They have, in addition to... This lovely t shirt. They have um, climate change curriculum for Sunday school for both adults and children. They have all kinds of resources on their webpage to get active in climate change ministry. And they have learning and training. They have inspiration and worship. They have the green sanctuary program. I'm sure you've heard of that with some other UU uh, communities have had their sanctuary be a green sanctuary. And some of the key areas they address are climate change, ecology rights of nature, frontline solidarity, food justice, social justice and human rights, and sustainability. So if you want to go Something faith-based, that's a really good option. It's right here, it's UU. Another really cool UU group that I found out about while I was getting ready for this talk today was the UU United Nations Office. Yes, UUs have an office at the United Nations. I didn't know that until just a few weeks ago. And actually, one of our um, members told me about it uh, before I found it online. And what they do, the Unitarian Universalist United Nations Office promotes the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all, as reflected in the United Nations Charter. Through targeted education, advocacy, and outreach, they engage Unitarian Universalists in support of international cooperation and the work of the UN. One of their programs there is the Climate Action Team Program. So through the United UU, United Nations Office, any UU fellowship can have a Climate Action Team. And that team can get, um, there's a whole process to become a team and to uh, get certified as a team. And then your congregation will have a Climate Action Team that is responsible for doing all types of climate change, education, outreach, and activities both within the fellowship and out in the community, um, such as working or having a program to reduce both the fellowship's carbon footprint and also help members in the community reduce their carbon footprint. And there is Climate in the Pulpits 2018. On the weekend of October 5th to 7th, 2018, interested congregations are participating in climate change and creation care in their sermons and weekly services. Right here in Maryland, that's sponsored by ChesapeakeClimate.org. Now, if you want to go back to um, our buddy Al Gore, uh, after An Inconvenient Truth, the movie, he founded Climate Reality Project Training. And what he started doing, and he started doing it with just fifty people out on the family ranch, and he teaches people to educate other people and speak about climate change the way he 's been doing pretty much his whole life, and what he calls what he does with climate change his slideshow so he 's taken his slideshow around the world and at least a thousand times or more, and he decided after losing uh, the presidential election back in, I think, 2000 it was, he decided he needed to start training people because he felt like he had failed. He was trying to get this message out, this absolutely dire message about climate change out. And so he started training people. I saw that training. You can look it up online. I've got more information about it. But it's it looks amazing. It's free. The training is free. All the materials that you get if you attend the training are free. You have to agree to be out there and use that material to speak and present and be out in the public. But um, if you're interested in that, uh, come see me, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. The next one, they have two per year, one in the United States and then one someplace else in the world. So this year, there's one in Berlin, I think it just took place last week or the week before. But the one that's coming up in the US is coming up in August, uh, and it's in LA. Yes, it's a little bit of a drive, but you could do it. And the deadline to apply to participate in this training is July eleventh, two 2018. That's 10 days. 10 days. If you're interested, do it. Bring back the information. And last, last, I encourage everybody to go out and enjoy nature. It makes you feel good. It's wonderful to be out there experiencing our natural world to see the trees, the sun, the birds, and it's just great. So go out and enjoy your your parks, your natural areas, and support them too. You know, go in their gift shop and buy something, or you know, just support the park. Go there, um, pay your entrance fee, even though it's optional. Um, just enjoy it. And there's a bazillion ways to uh, lower our carbon footprint. We all know what they are because we've been doing it. We've been doing it here. We've been doing it since we saw the first movie. So I would recommend that. And there are many, many good books on environmental issues for both adults and children on the UUA webpage in the book section. And I have another one I want to show you. This one is called Hope Beneath Our Feet. And it's called Restoring Our Place In the world, and the question. This is an anthology, and the question that the editor put out because he was reading about climate change and got really depressed. And uh, the question that the he put out for writers to respond to is: In a time of environmental crisis, how can we live right now? And there's all kinds of really good stories in here. So it's called Hope Beneath our feet. It got my attention because it has a B on it, okay? But hey, it's a good book. So I am sharing this information with you all, um, and I titled the message, How to Stay Woke About the Seventh Principle, because my co-workers last year, the millennials, were using the word woke and thinking it was really cool to use the word woke, and I thought, okay, I'm going to use the word woke too, because I'm just as cool as they are. Yes, they're young enough to be my kids or grandkids. But I thought maybe I should share what woke means just in case, you know, I was using it properly. I wanted to make sure I was using it properly. So in today's trendy vernacular, woke means to pay attention, to be aware of what is going around you uh, and in the world, and to be socially aware. Now, it's interesting to know that WOKE is not new. We think it is, but it's not. It's been alive and well in African-American communities for well over a century. And it means self-awareness and awareness of racism. So it is my hope that the information in today's service gives you hope, gives you a path to take to start looking at ways to reconnect to environmental issues and or climate change work. A way to do something that banishes despair and leads to positive change. Thank you. This is our hope, that the children born today may still have, 20 years hence, a bit of green grass under their bare feet, a breath of clean air to breathe, a patch of blue water to sail upon and a whale on the horizon to set them dreaming.